It's time for your weekly hot mug of coffee talk with your host, Jonathan Harmon. Hey, good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. It's Jonathan Harmon with the J. Harmon Home Team with my dad, Tom Harmon, sporting his uh, Penn State jersey. He is a Nittany Lion uh, through and through playing in the Citrus Bowl today, huh? Yes. In Orlando? Is that right? Or somewhere in Florida? Yeah, I'm not sure. And uh, six-point favorites over Kentucky. Kentucky. I thought Kentucky only had a basketball team. Well, apparently they found a football team this year. Oh, wow. That's good. That's good. Good for them. Um, your cousin, Carmen, and Nora are down there. Are there. Been watching some some cool pictures uh, of that. That's very cool. Are you jealous? Yeah. Yeah, I already told him I was jealous. <laughs> um, so right before I started the camera, I told my dad how many people uh, – frequently watch this and he's like you shouldn't have told me that yeah <laughs> it's awesome though so basically um what i wanted to do is uh, i don't know if i've even told you guys this yet or not um but we're we're about to add to the team um i've got a lady that's starting with me next uh next week she's gonna uh take some time off this week and and relax and kind of chill a little bit and then she's hitting the ground running next week and then uh, we're officially hiring uh, Rabia as well, um, which Rabia has been doing our social media, um, but he's working on getting his license too. So um, within the next couple months, we're going to be um, a team of how many is that? Five, right? Is that yes. Five? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Math is not my strong point. It is your strong point. Uh, it's not my strong point. So yeah, we'll be a team of five and, um, you know, as we grow and, and we do things, I've always thought that you have a, a way of looking at things that's very different uh, than the way I look at things. Um, I tend to be uh, like head in the clouds, uh, big like, oh, we could do this, we could do this, and you're like, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. and and usually usually you shoot me down, <laughs> um, but for good reason, right? And um, and so I've always appreciated Well, actually, I haven't always appreciated that. I have come to appreciate that. Yeah. So um, what do you think about uh, us adding team members? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, when you started real estate, it was at a bad time. Mm -hmm. And I thought you were foolish at that time to start it. But your point was that when real estate picked back up, and it would, that you would be ready to go. Mm -hmm. And it obviously has worked very well for you. So... Uh, if you're able to add more team members, uh, I've grown to trust your thinking a lot more, I think, as you've gotten older, too. And uh, so if you're willing to add team members, then there must be the business out there to do it. There is. And, you know, one of the things that Keller Williams teaches is that you um, you leverage people out. Right. So if um, Brett, for example, right. is so much better at certain things than I am. I mean, I, I I will not hesitate to tell someone he's a better buyer's agent than I've ever been. Yeah. He's thoughtful, more thoughtful than me. He's a better listener than me. Um, he is um, so customer service oriented and so customer first centric. Um, I mean, he he makes our team look great, and and so leveraging that out, that's a perfect fit for him, you know. And this new person has certain talents that that none of the rest of us have. Rabia has certain talents that none of the rest of us have. Absolutely. Taylor loves what she does for the most part, and she has certain talents that none of the rest of us have. Um, and so as we add more people, 
we we divide that those jobs up and uh, and everybody gets to do better at the jobs they're better at yeah i was i was nervous for brett uh, i was too <laughs> to be honest um to come from such a long time at a job 13 where years was, where he was doing very well mm -hmm. and uh to jump into something like he did with both feet but i think he was he's very much like you when he does something he does it full on absolutely and um he's really really impressed me he's really done very well well he is a tremendous addition to our team and uh i, I mean i i can't like, i can't even really imagine not having him now well, you know what i mean it's good to see frick and frack back together again anyway so. <laughs> i've heard that several times yeah. it's funny yeah you know it, it's such a, that was such a weird thing because we were inseparable in high school yeah. and then graduation happened and we didn't, we literally did not see each other for about 15 years. Yeah. And then we just kind of chance bumped into each other at uh, Thurman Francis because both of our kids went there or go there. And, uh, and all of a sudden here we are. Yeah. It, it, and we picked up like it never, I mean, it was just, yeah. it, it happens. I, uh, I had a friend from high school and best man at my wedding that I didn't see for nearly 30 years. If it wasn't 30 years, and we've become, even though we're, I don't know, 800 miles away, mm -hmm. probably 500 miles away. Is, it, is this Lenny? Yeah. Up? Mm -hmm. uh, we've become almost like we never stopped. Yeah. Uh, you know, talking on the phone and he's been to my house come, coming to visit yeah. and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. So just, just kind of goes to show you where, where true friendship works, you know? So, um, you have, uh, done a lot of things in your life like a lot of things good bad ugly indifferent you know um and and i have too already um at, at my age not not the same things of course um and one of the things i typed in my little description over here is that as i've gotten older you've gotten smarter and uh that was a quote from my dad it's weird to be honest with you, because yeah. you were dumb when I was 16. Yeah. You know, I that? think most fathers or most <laughs> parents are. <laughs> I mean, you were dumb. But, you know, I tried to tell you and your brother both that there wasn't much you could do that I hadn't already done. Yeah, that's and true. That's very true, I believe. Absolutely. So what, uh, looking back, I mean, you know, at, at New Year's, you always want to reflect on your previous year, see, okay, this went well, this didn't go well. Maybe not always. <laughs> your 2018 was pretty tough, wasn't yeah. it? Um, for those of you that don't know, he had shoulder surgery, pretty, pretty major shoulder surgery. Yeah. That's hard to say. Yeah. And, um, thought it was going to be a breeze. Yeah. And it wasn't, was it? No. How, how long were you laid up? Five months. Five. That is crazy. Almost to the, to the half, day. Almost half of your year. Yeah. That's crazy. What did you learn out of that? Um, that going to work wasn't so bad. Yes. <laughs> one thing. Uh, <laughs> Perspective, right? Probably, yeah, a lot of it perspective. Um, if there was any to be had, there's probably some patience learned in that. Uh, I'm not as young as I used to be, but um, I, I think patience probably had a lot to do with it. Now, did you pray for patience before that oh, surgery? Gosh. Before the surgery? Uh, no, not. Okay, I was going to say, because that's your own fault if you did. Yeah, no, because I figured that um, I was expecting to be out you know, maybe two or five, five weeks. Oh, wow. And be able to go back on, you know, no more than 60 days and be able to go back at least to do something. And, uh, I mean, I wasn't even allowed to pick up a coffee cup for 90 days. So wow. it, uh, it was, uh, it wasn't at all what I 
what in my mind, not that he told me that, but in my mind, that's what I figured because I'd watched other people, but yeah, then it was a lot more major than anybody thought, even the surgeons. So, wow. And how, how do you feel now? I'm good. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a hundred percent. And he told me that when he released me, it could be a year for him a hundred percent. So yeah, I'm mostly doing pretty much what I want back to doing almost everything I can. And, um, but the other two fellows that are in the same position that I am at work, uh, one of them's older, one's a little bit younger. And even from my own surgery, we've learned that we need to help each other more. Uh, we do some things that are pretty darn heavy that we shouldn't be doing by ourselves. And even our, even our bosses have told us we, we just need to start helping each other a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's not a bad thing, right? Community no. and all that stuff. So, yeah. Um, Tracy says, uh, two of my most favorite men. Thank you, Tracy. We love you very much. Uh, you're one of my favorite people too. Um, so you are, and sorry, it's kind of rapid fire. There's so much about you that's, that's awesome. So, um, you're really heavily involved with the Smyrna Citizens Police Academy. Yes. Have been for a long time. Yep. Like how long Since now? Since 1999. Yes. A very long time. What, um, what has that done for you? as far as perspective again and patience and, and things like that, what have you learned with your involvement with that? Uh, like big picture, right? One mile up view. I, uh, <clears throat> I grew up, of course, dad was a, uh, reserve officer for many years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the most things I think that ever impressed me about him was that at 55 years old, which is not much younger than I am now, he went back to the police academy, became a full uh, uh, service police officer mm -hmm. at 55. That's kind so of crazy, isn't it? It is. It's uh, and looking back, I you know I would have never thought. And again, I guess it's able to push yourself, but you wouldn't think a 55 year old could have got through the police academy, and he did, mm -hmm. uh, and actually excelled in it because it's something he wanted to do at the time. Right. Um, so I have a little bit of history there with police officers, but that was a different place at a different time when we lived down there. No doubt. How, so, many, how many police did Port Isabel have? Oh, gosh. Like maybe, 10? Maybe. No, they probably had maybe a total of 20. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was such a small town, and that was to cover three shifts. So, mm -hmm. uh, so moving here, and uh, I got to know Ken Hampton, I think, is where it started. He's watching, by the way. And... Um, I met him and your mom and I got involved in a few things because of Crossland Supply and, and Ken, uh, some volunteer stuff and some, uh, I think it started mostly with the Special Olympics at that time. Mm -hmm. So he asked us to go to the academy, we did. And so I got to um, be around the police officers more and, and from a time in 99 to now it's changed quite a bit, but to you know, to be able to do a ride along with them and see how the public reacts to officers, even back then. Uh, it's really changed a lot, obviously, since then. But uh, the inner workings of the police department, um, it pushed us to do more community work, I think, uh, on a volunteer basis. Um, obviously, got to know a lot of police officers over the year, years. And um, I think... Uh, you know, some of the things that you hear about police departments, maybe now I'm a little prejudiced the other way, but, you know, 
Smyrna's got one of the best police departments that I, I feel like in, in an area. Sure. Top down. Uh, yeah. They, um, you know, they got it. Yeah, absolutely. It starts at the top and it goes mm-hmm. down. Um, you learn a lot about how things are done and why they're done. And so when you start criticizing or hearing people criticizing, you can go, well, that may not be exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Smyrna's department, the one thing they're big on, they do not, I don't know what other word to use other than advertise every little thing that happens and every little thing they do where a lot of departments want you to know everything that happens. Well, there's a lot of things that happen that Smyrna doesn't talk about. Some really fantastic things that the officers a lot, a lot of good things, not just bad things. Yes. And it's because they, you know, it's, it's not that they don't deserve it. It's just not, I mean, they're a community service provider. Yeah. So they really, in their mind, I, I, I assume, why brag about something that's your job? Yeah. You know, you don't, I don't go out and brag about fixing a freezer door. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, and I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, and my whole family knows that we had an experience one Easter morning mm-hmm. and uh, we, we happened up on a house fire that had just started mm-hmm. and a, uh, a gentleman was still in the house. And if I recall right, you were probably the only one that had a cell phone at the time and you called for the fire department. You mm-hmm. called 911. And what seemed like about an hour later, I had you call them again. Yeah. Because they weren't there yet. Right. And, and it was really uh, about two minutes. Yeah. And yeah. we were trying to figure out how to get the man out. Contain the, and, the and teenager. Keep the, keep the kids from going back in. And and, and we're talking to you and your brother, Jeremy, and, and girlfriends at the time and, and your mom, Susan, and we just, uh, we were helpless and turned out to, it was a very, very large man. We probably couldn't have done anything with him anyway, but, um, after they got there and all, if you'll recall, the chief had us, the fire chief had us come to his office and talk to somebody. And I think their response at six o'clock in the morning was like four minutes. Right. But we were sure we would have been there an hour. So at least that was one of the things that was a huge learning experience for me to yeah. find out that it, it could seem that long, but it's not right. Well, everything's in slow motion, right? Cause yeah. you're panicked and, and you know, I mean, your heart is, is hurting because yeah. of what, and, and adrenaline's pumping and everything Adrenaline. else, you know? Um, and it, and it's interesting what I have learned with you guys getting involved and then a little bit where I've been involved with them as well. It, like you said, the public perception and the, um, our very, very limited worldview, yes. right? Yes. Um, shades everything that we talk about. You know, we, we sit back and kind of armchair quarterback uh, police decisions and, and things like that. And they're, they're in that same situation you just described all the time. Yes. I mean, when they're sitting in their car they have doing minute, paperwork. A minute or less to think out what's well, going to happen next to. You know, I've heard people say, well, I've drove by and, and such and such a police officer was sitting in his car doing nothing. He was probably trying to let the adrenaline slow down <laughs> from whatever just happened. You know, he was probably collecting his thoughts so that at the next stop, he's not, or she is not freaking out. Yeah. You know, carrying it over uh, or filling out mountains of paperwork. And, you know, they're, they're <laughs> supposed to, you know, they're supposed to have all their feelings in check all, all the time. The time. Um, I know my dad, obviously one of the worst things he ever encountered was uh, anything that had to do with children. Sure. Uh, 
Oh yeah. He could go to an accident and it could be horrific and it didn't seem to bother him near as much as anything that involved the child. So, you know, you, you expect that police officer to show up and, and have his hat on straight and, and uh, always have his feelings in check. And, and they do, they do the best that they can. But like you said, after that, is that, that adrenaline, what they call an adrenaline dump. And so they have to get past that. And if, you know, especially if they're, they're a, a patrol officer, they may not have time. Yeah. Back to back to back to back to, for that next adrenaline for dump. 10 hours. Back over right. Yeah. It's crazy. It's a, it's a tough job for sure. And, uh, I, I have gained a, a much bigger respect for, for anybody really in the emergency services. Oh, yeah. Um, just with y'all's involvement and my, my little bit of involvement with them. And, and you're right, man, we've got some, some great officers in the town of Smyrna. So hats off to you guys, boys in blue and ladies in blue. Uh, we appreciate you. Um, very cool. So what, uh, let me ask you this. I told you it's rapid fire. It's random. Okay. That's how I, how I do things. What's been your favorite job that you've ever had? Well, and that's kind of tough because I think your life, the way your life changes around certain things, as far as, uh, I mean, I, I really, I really truly love the job I do now 90% of the time. That's pretty good. Which is pretty good. <laughs> uh, it's not, not difficult, you know, and it's always something a little different. Uh, but as far as enjoying what I did, I enjoyed while I was in construction, especially the equipment, uh, driving a dump truck and, running a bulldozer and a bobcat. I enjoyed that uh, mm -hmm. uh, probably more than, I think more than anything I ever did. Um, the story is, I, I don't have proof, but the story is my mother claims I slept with a dump truck as a child, not a, a teddy bear. So that may be where that came from, but I truly enjoyed. Did you wake up with bruises a lot? I don't have any idea. <laughs> but uh, I truly enjoyed doing running. I, I love running equipment. And if I could make a, steady living doing that and you know insurance and it's but it's also hard on your body especially bulldozers and that kind of stuff so especially when you get old yeah as you get older it gets it's pretty rough um but I, that's probably what i truly loved at doing yeah we got some other comments here caitlin agrees ken says he's proud of you ask him about our trip to west tennessee to pick up the dump truck oh. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm not sure. I'll have to watch how I phrase some of that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, this is a family show. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, that is, it's a pretty funny story. Uh, for those that, if you don't know, Ken Hampton and I are, if you put us together, we're very different looking, especially. Yeah, each um, other buddies. And at that time, my hair was much longer, probably close to the middle of my back. My beard was much more full. Um, I tend to, if I'm not in my normal setting, I would have a sleeveless shirt on. Yeah. And there's some tattoos under there and there's an earring. And I guess you would say I would look like a biker. And so here's this, this black gentleman that's very clean cut and, and uh, this biker. And uh, it sounds like the beginning of a joke. It, it, it kind of <laughs> was the whole, the whole trip was pretty much a joke. Um, Ken and knows absolutely nothing about dump trucks or the business at that time. Um, there was a truck for sale in West Tennessee and I wanted to go look at it. And there was a truck lot actually. 
So the car that we took was your mother's Volvo. So a so, biker, a clean cut black guy. And a Volvo. And a Volvo pull up at a dump yeah. truck lot. <laughs> well, before we even got that far, I tend to drive fast. Uh, not as much now as I did then, but we uh, we had just gotten out around Dixon County, I believe, where the, the interdiction unit runs. And I was probably running 90 mile an hour or better. And Ken looked at me. He said, I imagine you have your pistol with you. I was like, well, yeah. And he said, we're going to jail. <laughs> a, a black guy and a, a biker in a Volvo with a pistol. He said, that's just not going to work out well. But Did you take cash with you too to buy the number? No. I okay, did. I was going to say, because that uh, would have been the icing on the cake. I probably, in those days, I probably had several hundred dollars on me, but yeah. not that much cash. So they never, they never even turned around. So I guess it, maybe they were sleeping, but he said, we're going to jail. So uh, <laughs> then we get out toward Huntington and uh, I don't think, I guess I just don't think like a lot of people do. So we get out there and we decide I'm going to cut across the, the back way into, um, I can't think of the town now, Millington out in that area. So of course, in the middle of that, that time of the year, going across through there, nothing but cotton fields. And uh, Ken gets on the phone and he called somebody. I think it was actually, I think it was, and he told me, he said, if I go missing, ask Tom Harmon because here he is. He's got a black guy in the middle of a cotton field. Oh my and, word! And it, 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 you know, it just didn't click. So, and and I've, you know, I've I've learned a lot from Ken about racism. I think over the years because I never. I don't feel like I ever was that way much. I mean, I, I know growing up where I did and a father like I had, it, that was just part of the time. Not that it was right, but, you know, I had a lot of friends growing up that were of different races. So I, it just never always clicked with me, I don't guess. And so we went to Millington and uh, I was driving a dump truck and Ken is talking all kinds of stuff about dump trucks to this salesman. And the salesman figures he's, I mean, he did good at bluffing him. He knew all the right terms to use and stuff. So uh, I'm not sure. If, he's probably wanting to know if I'll mention the Kentucky Fried Chicken. We stopped for lunch and uh, at, a, at a chicken place out there. And I got in there and got to sitting around looking. And I was the only white person in the restaurant. Yeah. And he looked at me and he goes, so how does it feel? Yeah. And and it was it was pretty eye opening actually. I mean, but I didn't feel uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, and and I think I think I owe a lot of that to Ken that that I can go to places like that, and some of it may even be that I'm naive enough to think that I can go wherever I want and not well, think and about just, it. I think you're probably right. I mean, there's race is an interesting thing. I, I have really changed my perspective on that even in the last five years. You know, yeah. and we. And when I say we in this case, I'm talking about me and you and, and our particular family. We don't we don't really see it the same as other people. And, and you know, we treat people well, all people, whoever we run into. Yeah. We're nice to everybody. We treat everybody well. You know, I think we do. You've done a great job. Mom's done a great job of, of saying, you know, and nobody's special. No. You know, nobody's special and nobody's not special. Right. You know what I mean? And um, and that's that's just how, how we do things. But it's just not like that out there no you know? and it's it, in in the job that i'm in now i have stores all over I, I mean i go from green hills to north nashville down off of monroe and and eighth or roselle parks 
and Bordeaux. And, and I'll have people ask me, well, aren't you uncomfortable in those stores? No, to be honest with you, I'm more uncomfortable than Green Hills and Bell Mead, some of those places, because it, it's just an attitude, I guess. You know, if I go into to Monroe Street or to Bordeaux and I say good morning to somebody or hello or hi, they all respond. Mm-hmm. And some of those other stores, that class of people that's there don't always respond the same way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about just employees. Employees, obviously, in the years that I've worked with Kroger, I've gotten to know a lot of employees, but the, the customers, uh, you know, and sometimes I guess even they're shocked that I'll speak to them. Mm-hmm. But that's just who I am. I, I, don't, I don't look at that. I just look at your eyes and say good morning. Right. Right, right. So, and it's, uh, I don't know, I, several, several friends and I, uh, Jeffrey Owens, if you're watching, uh, is one of them. You know, just the awareness of that institutional um, racism, that institutional, you know, you, you hit on it. You, you sat there and you said you weren't uncomfortable. And were you not uncomfortable because is it, is it just because you were just you or is it, is it truly because, and this is, this is where we can get a little controversial. Is it because you felt somewhat entitled to be there? Oh, absolutely not. No, but I mean like, no, um, that's that privilege thing. Yeah, no, no, I I know. No, I mean the way I see it, I'm just there to do my job. That's all I'm there for. I'm not there to be anybody special. Um, you know, I just got to go fix whatever's broken. And, um, I meant like in the restaurant. At, oh, no, no. I, I just, I was just there for um, to eat chicken. I mean, you sure. know, I, I, I don't think about, and, and one of the other guys that I work with is in kind of the same position and has just come to Kroger in the past six years. And he's got some of those same stores and, and your brother has some of those stores now. And it's, it's, we all laugh about it because people say, why aren't you uncomfortable going there? Why would I be uncomfortable? Uh, maybe I should be. I don't know, but they've never treated me. As long as you don't give me a reason to be uncomfortable with you, I won't be uncomfortable. Right. I don't think I care who you are or what you are. Um, if you treat me, and I don't even want to say necessarily with respect, but if you treat me well, I'll treat you the same way. Yeah, golden rule. Um <clears throat> Now, to be honest, you know, 30 years or so ago, I'm not sure. I may have been more uncomfortable. And, you know, I think I think that comes with that perspective from your law enforcement friends. It comes with perspective from having different jobs, right, from crossings yeah. to, to, you know, manual labor on a bulldozer to what you do now, which I would consider what you do now a skilled job. Right. It's a it's a you work, they, they say it's a skilled trade. I mean, you work with your hands, but it's absolutely I couldn't do it. I couldn't do what you do. Right. You know, I, I'm not nearly equipped enough up here for that. Um, so, you know, having those different perspectives, uh, it changes things. So let's shift gears just a little bit. Wow. That's the first time I've ever talked race on this, by the way. Well, that figures. Yeah, that was. Uh, well, that was it's something it's something I think people should talk more about. To I be honest. Too. Uh, because I think that's where some of the separation is, is that we don't talk about it. Well, an introspection is important, right? So being able to step back and look at yourself and go, should I have felt uncomfortable? Right. Or 
you know, did I miss something? Or, you know, are you being weird? Am I being weird? Yeah. Right? And then trying to analyze it and look at it and then and then having folks that will shoot straight with you. I think that's important, right? I think that's having, having people with different perspectives, different life experiences. I mean, Ken is is an amazing dude. He's got different life experiences than I will ever have. Right. Right? And just by his station in life, he's yeah. got a different set of experiences than I could ever have. Yeah. And and I do too, back to him. You know, so I think that's important to to be able to have those conversations. Um, ah, there you go. Tracy says, Tom's faith also helps him in those areas. <laughs> We're all in God's children. Man, we, we tackled race. I don't think we need to go into religion. What do you think? And then uh, all we I, need is politics, right? Yeah, well, we, we, we won't do politics, I'm sure, because <laughs> you and I don't agree on politics. We, we so. don't always agree on politics. Uh, religion, that's... Uh, what was, there's a Jimmy Buffett song that says something about religion. But anyway... Uh, yeah, and, I wasn't and, actually trying to open the religion door. Just so you know. well, and that's and, and, and <laughs> you know that's um, I shouldn't say religion, but faith or, or being a Christian, I guess, as you know, is new to me or fairly new. It's yeah. only it's less than fifteen years. I uh, took about a thirty year sabbatical, <laughs> so um, that and that uh, Ken and I have had lots of conversation from many years ago, starting with that, when neither one of us were churchgoers, and now we're both churchgoers. And he's a flipping minister for Pete's Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, let's not push it. He's, he's, he plays one on TV. But um, I think, you know, you don't necessarily have to talk about religion when you talk about faith. I agree with that. And, and I think Tracy's probably right. Uh, I think that's probably had a lot to do with it, uh, that everybody's the same you know there is no no other barrier whether it be religion or race or education yeah. uh, that seems to be a really big one now it's education and your your status yeah yes. socioeconomic yeah your status you know if, if i make a million dollars a year and you're only making a hundred thousand well you're nobody right you know and, and those but then that hundred thousand person is somebody compared to the 30,000 guy making 30,000, yeah. you know, and, and it's, that's all garbage by it, the way. You're right. And, and so to me, you're just a person. I don't really care what you make. I don't care who you are. Um, this has come up with in conversation with the, you know, I mean, I, I know who the president of the Kroger division is and my, the, the main man in, in maintenance, he's just a guy, you know, I mean, he's, and he's acting, you know, here's a guy now that's in charge of me that's many years younger than me, I'm sure. But that doesn't mean anything to me either. You know, a lot of people are offended by that. But so he's he's got an education and he became the boss. Well, he made life choices that got him to where he and, is. And he makes probably a lot more money than I do. But that was his decision. Mm -hmm. It was also my decision to stay as a technician or a, a hands-on guy. I just, I'm not an office guy. Yeah. You know, could I have done it? I'm sure I could have, but I just. Well, you've done it before. You've been yeah. dispatcher. You've been in charge of folks. I, mean, I just, I, I'd rather be working. Not, and not that they don't work. I guess that sounded bad too, but. Physically. I, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather be working with my hands. Yeah, I hear you. So um, one of the most important things I tell, I tell people a lot. Um, oh, that's awesome. Thanks, Caitlin. You see uh, that? I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, so one of the things I tell people all the time, 
when I, when I do what I do and, and we're big on service, you know, our little tagline is eager to serve. And we are like, we're ready to, to go serve you, whatever, whatever that looks like. Right. And people are like, man, you just don't stop. You, you work and work and work and then you sleep and then you work and work and work. And, and I, I hear that in all kinds of things. And I tell people all the time, well, I got my work ethic from my parents. Um, I, you know, I, my mom has always worked hard. My dad has always worked hard. You know, you did side jobs. You built, I tell people all the time, you built a castle at, at uh, Smyrna Video. Yeah. And they're like, no way if they grew up here. We so. built. We built three or four of them for him. Yeah. So, you know, what, tell me, tell me how you, why do you work so hard? I guess. Hmm. Well, I, I had a lot of men in my life that, that were influential over different periods of time. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, people will ask you, who is your biggest influence? I think it depends on where you were in your life at that time whether somebody really was an influence or not. And sometimes you don't even know it. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad worked a lot. Um, so, and I know we hear this story, especially from old people all the time. And that is that, you know, I was working when I was 10, 11 years old. You know, I was cutting grass when I was 10 years old. I mean, I started when I was 14, you know, so, uh, well, really you know, 10. So, you know, and you know, when dad was home on the weekends, if you did, you know, if there was something going on, you were helping him. You weren't out playing. Uh, you had chores that you had to do. Uh, we had a coal fired furnace. And by the time I was 10, I was the one that had to fill the hopper and take the ashes out mm -hmm. to the street. Um, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I think that in, it had a lot to do with where I am. Um, you know, at 12 years old, I had my first paying job. I made 50 cents an hour. And where my father worked, there was a mobile home sales lot they had back then. And, and during the summers, my job was to keep that sales lot out, outside. Uh, the weeds all pulled out of the gravel areas and the grass cut. And then when they bring in a new mobile home in those days, they had the old metal uh, crank windows. And they were full of everything. Of course, in them was full of uh, formaldehyde. Formaldehyde, mm -hmm. and you had to go. You know, they dropped the home, and in order to set it up for display, you had to go in and air it out. Air it out just so you could get through it. Well, you know, let's take the kid and we stick him in there, and he has to run through and open windows and and open the back door. And then you had to set all the furniture up and all the knickknacks up, and that you know for fifty cents an hour. And that, to me, even then, that was a lot of money. I thought you sure. know for a twelve-year-old. And so I continued that up through my teenage years. I worked a lot for my dad uh, doing different things. We built a mobile home park, uh, about a hundred and something mobile homes, 102 mobile homes. Uh, I finished all the yards in there with some different friends that would work during the summers. We finished out the yards. And again, we set up mobile homes. We'd carry concrete blocks to set them up in place and put skirting up and all that. And, it was just, it's just what you did. Yeah. You know, I don't think there was ever a question. Now, anybody that knows me well knows I don't like to work. <laughs> I just assume not work. Um, Marshall Gupton one time said about getting up at six o'clock in the morning. And I said, I don't like to get up in the morning. He goes, but you've been in construction and that your whole life. I said, I didn't say I couldn't. I just don't <laughs> like it. Right. Um, but it's, it's a way of life. And, and I think now you have these people that think, well, I don't have to do this and I don't have to do that. And you don't, but you also don't have to have anything then. 
Mm -hmm. You're not entitled to have anything if you don't work for it. And that's just the way I was brought up. Um, you know, maybe it's because I, I wanted so much. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just look at it kind of like you. It, it's just, it's just what you do. I mean, yeah. if you're not working, what, what are you doing? Right. You know? And, uh, and I, I mean, I was telling mom just a little bit ago. Um, I, I now fall asleep while watching television. Um, Welcome to almost 40. I know it's because if I sit still, yeah. I'm out because otherwise I'm moving. Yeah. You know, whether it's cleaning up at the house or, or whatever. So it's good stuff. Hey, Jenny Williams is watching. Ken said it was freezing up on him. Uh, sorry about that, Ken. I don't know if it's yours or, or my connection. Uh, Leslie uh, Lovin, uh, she's a, a realtor friend of mine. She lives over kind of close to me. She comes in tailgates. She's pretty awesome. So um, what's that? Car parts are expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah. Your love for hot rods. We didn't even get into that. No, that was another reason you worked the extra jobs. I, I always worked a job, uh, and not even knowingly until probably recent years, but you work a, you work a job for, you know, a paycheck. Yeah. Everybody's got to eat, so you got to have a paycheck. But you also got to have insurance and those kinds of things. So you work a job for that, typically. And that was kind of a... a I don't know if it was a deal with your mom and I or kind of an unspoken thing, but that was the extra work. You know, if I wanted to, well, my first motorcycle, the way I bought it. And then if I wanted Chrome, extra Chrome, well, then I better get an extra job for the extra Chrome. They call that a side hustle, by the yeah, way. <laughs> uh, you know, and building, as Caitlin mentioned, their car parts. Uh, I've built a lot of hot rods and, and stuff over the years and, and I'm not going to say they didn't take away from my family at times, because uh, your mother. I'm sorry, but the rest of this podcast is not available. You can check us out at J Harmon Home Team on Facebook. Sorry for the inconvenience.